Hello, and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by award-winning director Brian Rodondo and Savan Jones, aka Captain Bonnie. This is episode 89, and we revisit the most talked about dysfunctional family drama since your last Thanksgiving get-together, House of the Dragon. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back. It's good to see you all. Look, I got mostly a voice back. It's been a couple weeks. My voice is mostly recovered. It's still kind of bad. What sort of wizardry did you use to get it back to full health? Milk of the poppy. Uh, Milk of the poppy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm now missing an eye, coincidentally. Um, no, it's, it's been just a slow recovery. I was actually sick kind of again on last week or early this week and was struggling, kind of called in the teledoctor, you know, over, over the phone and, and the doctor was Hani Yusuf. I don't even know if it was MD. It was just Hani Yusuf on the email and, uh, you know, Dr. Hani Yusuf sent me, uh, sent me some prescription antibiotics. So that seemed to help a little bit kind of, what do you do stomach. on that call? You just like. Open your mouth up wide and put it right in front of the camera on your on your computer. No, it was actually like, uh, here are my it, tonsils. The little system re- said you had the option of video call or phone call, and it said phone call recommended. So I hit phone call, and so he just gave me a gave me a call. We <laughs> talked. He was like, "Okay, sounds like uh, you know we should do some antibiotics." I said, "Okay," and he sent him in. And that was it. It was, it was maybe a fi- maybe a three minute conversation with with Honey Yusuf. Maybe MD. I don't even know. What? Who is Honey? He's, Honey I don't is know. just somebody in a call center. It could be halfway across the world. Uh, who knows? But it, but his prescription went through. So why didn't you just go to the doctor? Oh yeah. So I tried to go to my doctor, like my regular doctor, uh, but they were like busy and they were like, "We don't got appointments for you." Uh, so I was like, "Okay, fine." And then I was like, "Well, let me just call the telemedicine doctor that I get through work." Hmm. And then that worked. So here we are. Oh, and my wife's a doctor, but she doesn't like to be my doctor because she feels like that's, uh, I don't know what it is, conflict of interest, something like that, unethical. So she doesn't, she tries not to be my doctor. Don't doctors also have some sort of oath where they just got to help people? (laughs) Like when somebody's like, is there a doctor in the house? Or she's like, well, you know, I was in the audience too. So maybe it's a conflict of interest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if it was an emergency, she would doctor. But, you know, if it's not an emergency, she's trying not. She's trying. It's an emergency. Her husband (laughs) needs to sound good for this damn show. (laughs) That is putting a roof over your head. Yeah. It sounds like a waste of just a medical professional in the home. Like, she just say, hey, I'm not on the clock, babe. Like, well, I'm, her, I'm all, her, I'm all, her I'm professional opinion right was, her professional opinion was, hey, can you try and get an appointment today and see a doctor because it's been three weeks, you've been sick, and it's probably, you know, too long or something. That's so, what I said. Yeah. I said, go but, to the damn doctor. Yeah. But she said, go to the doctor also, even though she is a doctor. It's so you live So you live with a doctor and got a doctor you go to and you decide, I'm going to call somebody. Well, no, I tried to go to my doctor. But my doctor was like, I'm too busy. I can't There's see you right doctors. now. <laughs> I, I know you, and live, the you doctor, live in Texas. You don't live in Antarctica. The doctor, you know, I was like, can I see anybody in the office? They were like, no, we don't have appointments till tomorrow. And I was like, well, guess I'm not seeing you then. And then I called the 
called the you know the call center and and so you gave Yusuf, up immediately. Picked up. Well, you, no, you I consider I mean, there's other doctors' offices that exist. I mean, I mean, I'm, like a, what's the point of rolling up to a random doctor? I might as well just call the telemedicine doctor then. Because uh, am, <laughs> Brian, are you hearing this man right now? Phone am doctor. I, am, am yeah, I like, ah, I'll just go to the phone doctor. I'm, am I, phone am doctor, I, honey, Yusuf, MD? Question mark? Question mark? Yeah. And then you Unclear. keep emphasizing the question mark. I'm like, all the more reason you should have went to another damn doctor. I mean, what's I've had medical situations. Oh, I ain't got a doctor I can go to. Cool. I'm gonna look up some other one. Hey, y'all take my insurance. All right, I'm pulling up. You, all, you but that's what that's what I did. I just didn't have to leave my house because I felt like poop. <laughs> so I got to do it over the phone. I think that at, at some point, you know, like your wife doctor also has to come into play here. I mean, yeah. I think I think she is partially <laughs> culpable for this. This L's across <laughs> the board in this right now. I'm just like, I'm mad at lots of people. <laughs> A lot of wrong I'll, decisions, I'll just like in House of the Dragon. I'll let her know that you don't believe it, uh, that you don't believe in her doctoring, uh, you know, performance here. I never said all she that. might also be MD question mark. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I was at the graduation. It was real. It was real. Hey, man. I just they called her name and everything. All right. The said I got receipts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this episode, we're going to talk about House of the Dragon season one, specifically mostly about the final and then kind of wrapping up and recapping what we thought was important about this, things we noticed yeah. and things that we liked or maybe even didn't like about uh, this, this sort of prequel, you know, show to Game of Thrones, which was uh, certainly the societal... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Water cooler, uh, just we don't nobody have water coolers. We need Mike to use the word zeitgeist. Yeah, it, it, I mean it it's dominated. A very zeitgeisty show. It dominated <laughs> pop culture. House of the Dragon, less so. More, more than any other show in recent times, uh, in the past few years. But certainly not, not quite the cultural impact that that Game of Thrones had. That's not what we're here to talk about, though. We're going to talk about the end of season one. It was a ride. There were quite a few <laughs> moments, let's call them. There was a whole lot of like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. How did you feel about this specific episode and this specific finale? Before we get into all the deep divey stuff and you know long-term things, just keep it to episode 10. I don't even know the name of the episode. What did you think? Brian, how did you feel? What was going on? Tell us. It was an interesting episode. The penultimate episode, we got we got the high towers, right? It was all focused on on Allison and what they were doing in response to Viserys dying and moving quickly to take control of the crown. So in this episode, we get the the reverse shot, the flip side of that, which is all about uh, which is all about Rhaenyra's uh, side of this conflict and what they're going to do in response to the crown being taken away from her. Uh, and so we're, we're in Dragonstone the entire time. Rainey shows up, gives her the news, and immediately their house springs into action. You see Damon at the head of the boardroom, in the war room or whatever, and see, seeing that really cool map table of Westeros, by the oh, way. Oh, that was amazing. Which was like, what a set piece. Uh, I'm ordering that on Etsy right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that table could light up. Like, where light where up do I get the, the coals show? for the fire to light it up? Yeah. yeah. I mean, incredible. Well, whoever whoever thought of that, chef's kiss to you. Uh, so, we, you know, da- Damon's doing his, like, I'm, I'm prepping for war. I'm pent up with so much 
toxicity and bloodlust. Blood yeah, I, I want to get going. Uh, th this is my time, right? Like Damon is made for this moment. Uh, so, you know, all of that was, I think, really fascinating. But the, you know, kind of the best part about it was that Rhaenyra seemed to be hesitant and resistant to all of that knee-jerk reaction towards fighting, towards chopping off heads and taking names, right? You know, she, suddenly she turned, she goes into Viserys mode and is talking about keeping peace in the realm and, you know, really functionally being a queen, uh, you, which is also part of the reason why uh, certain people you gravitate towards her. And, uh, you know, I think that's a very, very interesting dynamic. Um, but, of course, we know in Westeros, people with a level head who are interested in the greater good Lose uh, their do heads. not turn out so good. Yeah. Uh, Ned Stark looking at you. So uh, I, I think, I, unfortunately, we might be setting ourselves up for a very poor end for Rhaenyra uh, and, her, and her ilk. Um, and then the the very last scene of oh episode 10 uh, is a dragon battle. Uh, and what I, ba you so know, I battle, <laughs> <laughs> if I go up and punch somebody's kid in the face, can I say, yeah, I got into a fight. <laughs> Cause, cause that's that kind of what like. happened. That was very much a, like, Oh, okay. We need weight classes. I mean, <laughs> this is why there's weight classes in boxing kids. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, like that whole sequence. I, I mean, it, you you sort of knew it was going to happen. Uh, you know, Amon, who's I I patchy? Is it Amon? Amon, 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 Amon Targaryen, I patch man. Amon, one eye. Shout out to the actor for also He's been so sticking great. with the eye patch in the post show little <laughs> documentary did. vignette. Did. Like they keep them fresh off set. <laughs> hey, look, we got to do the post episode thing. You like, hey, come on. No, I I think he I think this dude is straight up method. He does not have another eye; it's gone. This, this dude is about it. There, yeah. Uh, so you know, we we get that dragon fight. Um, I I do think as a finale capper, yeah, to be to be honest, I was a little underwhelmed by the fight. One because I don't really know who you know Rhaenyra's young boy is like. I know he's going to die. I'm like, whatever. Uh, and and because, I mean, a throwback to Wes, right, who asked for less dragons, I do think the dragon part kind of, you know, didn't have the, the crazy impact of that Game of Thrones violence normally has, where it's like, oh, my God, somebody's throat got slit and they have a baby in their belly. Like, you know, it, it was a very different feeling when it's, Okay, dragon chomp. <laughs> like, you're dead. And and then seeing them, you know, also uh chase each other in basically a CGI world where to me it felt and looked like Harry Potter for oh, 10 it minutes. Was such a Quidditch match. Yeah, kind of yeah. like he was even wearing Are the, all saying that the in cape a negative and way? robes. Negative way either. And and yeah, you know, it's it's fun and it's cool, but you know, it's for for Game of Thrones it didn't just it didn't hit quite as hard as you'd hope it would be right it would be very different if i kind of disagree amen like crashed his dragon and they both fell to the ground and then they were just like human on human you know with blades 
duking it out or or Eamon doing you know anything that was devious that resulted in a blade like that I think that would have a very different visceral effect than the one that we got so you know I you know kudos to the show for for taking us there and spending the budget yeah like it was a cool choreographed scene um but you know that part kind of left me wanting more I think I, I mean, I definitely think we don't need as much dragons as we've been getting. I know the show is called House of the Dragon. You're getting but, more dragons. Yeah. But, <laughs> a lot more dragons. You're uh, getting Dave, a lot. They, Damon counted they, them out for us. They counted them out to let y'all yeah. y'all at home know, like, hey, just giving <laughs> you a lot idea of dragons of, on the board. Like, there's, there's a lot of dragons at play. And again, at He's the beginning also, like, of Game of Thrones. singing to dragons. And yeah, and the beginning of Game of Thrones, there are no dragons. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, Brian, try and turn your mic down just a little bit. It looks like it's a little bit hot. So, okay, I'm hot, so Wes, I'm hot. <laughs> he's sizzling. the The dragon chase was it was tense. I think you know, in in the same way that like Harry Potter is, they change the music up so that you know that like there's something ominous coming and that there's clear and present danger for uh, Lucerus here for Luke and. The only way I disagree in this with Brian, I think that would have been great if it played out the way Brian said, where they knocked him down or they ended up on a beach somewhere and then they had to duke it out and and clearly Eamon would have the size advantage there. But the the shocking part or like maybe the gruesome part was, you know, they're building up to building up, building up. They show that like Vagar can disappear and come back, right? Like not not literally, but he sort of can get out of vision and then come come through the clouds and come at you. And so you know sort of what's coming and you're not sure when it's going to happen. So there's all this like tension around or suspense around like, how is this going to end? How is he going to get out of this or not get out of this? And finally, just out of nowhere, right? Vagar comes up and just chomps the little dragon. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what his name is, Araxes or something like that. Uh, and it was a new kind of death in that you just see pieces of dragon falling out of the sky. And we haven't seen something like that before. And you're sort of caught in this like as a viewer you're caught in this moment of do i watch the pieces of dragon fall to the earth knowing that like some of those pieces might be a 14 year old boy do i not look at those things do i try and see if there's like if the boy is like hanging on to vagar somehow right like you're just sort of caught in all these emotions like oh did i just watch a 14 year old boy yes just get chomped in one bite did he get torn to pieces i don't know i mean like so I do think there was a brutality in that, and it was a, uh, su- such a suddenness with which it happened, you know, that it was sort of different in, in a new way mm-hmm. for, for the show. So I didn't mind that part of it so much. I think the, the hard-hitting punches of this specific episode is that Rhaenyra loses two kids. Yeah. And, and you know, is parents on TV and parents in real life will, I'm sure, have you know, we'll say like losing a kid is just the gut punch that you never recover from. Right. We know about this from real life. We know about this from movies and she loses two kids, both the, the prematurely born child that's very disfigured and her own 14 year old son who she sends on this mission in this envoy within the span of, we don't know how many days, maybe five, 10, you know, maybe a month, something like that. Like the amount of heartbreak and grief and, whatever that must be going through or near that's going to like kick off season two is just uh outrageous 
right in in this and so for the show to to go with two deaths in different events for one mother is going to be going to be something mm-hmm. to behold i think for sure um mm-hmm. and then the only other like maybe small criticism i would have had was like Amond performs terrorism on Luke who's obviously younger and smaller and not his equal physically and then, you know, for 10 minutes, for whatever length of time, they're chasing through the storm and through these, you know, valleys and through, you know, everything. And then he's sort of, like, shocked and remorseful that, like, the terrorism <laughs> ends in death. And you're like, well, you're not What was you're he not trying eight. to do? Yeah, yeah so- exactly. You're not eight years old. You know what's going to happen. Not that you know, but, like, you are aware that, like, what you're doing is mortally dangerous. Yeah. yeah, I don't know he's, that you could be that like remorseful or shocked at the end there. No, but he's that's riding the, the biggest weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah, in the land. yeah. So like, that's what, what I like. Going to happen. So that's what I liked about the dragon chase. Like I think <clears throat> what I really appreciate about you're that doing terrorism. Sequence. The point is to kill people or at least maim well, them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He was shocked. Like, well, hold on, because like, that's what makes it interesting, right? Because Aemon is a thousand percent in the wrong. But what I enjoyed about that scene was them kind of it's almost a callback to what Viserys said in the beginning of the show of you know we have this illusion that we can control dragons and what I really enjoyed is that you know Damon's thinking about okay we got dragons as weapons of war we got to get ready for conflict and then the episode ends with kind of demonstrating on both ends right because Lucerys and Aemon both Mm -hmm. lost control of their dragons in the sense that a to your point Brian these dragons Yes, you're Targaryens, and that's what y'all sigil is, and y'all are dragon riders, and y'all got bonds, and that's cool and all. But they are still weapons of mass destruction, living beings that have agency. You could have the best trained dog in the world, but put your dog in a really dangerous and frustrating and stressful circumstance, and they're going to do things that are out of character, right? And so, or in I, character. I mean, yeah, they, or in which one I enjoyed. <laughs> so I enjoyed kind of what dragons can do. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Another takeaway I had, maybe this is more tinfoily, but I think the show like makes a pretty good point, is that dragon riders and the dragons do have like a bond that goes beyond the physical, right? Like we see, we've seen multiple times in this show that they clearly have a relationship that they're in sync with one another. And so another interpretation of the dragon scene was that I don't think Aemon was trying to kill Luke. He was absolutely trying to cut out his eye and terrorize him. But and even though both are objectively awful, arguably war starting things, there is a difference between trying to like terrorize somebody and cut their eye out and trying to just outright kill them. And say what you want, like he wasn't his intention, even though he was an idiot for that entire sequence. But another piece I enjoyed was you could interpret that the actions of the dragons were a reflection of their riders intentions. Lucerys was on his dragon, freaked out, aggravated, in a storm, stressed out. Him and his dragon were on the same page, right, of just being nervous and him losing control. So some of it's losing control, but some of it's like, no, y'all actually kind of in sync, and this is how your dragon reacted to your emotions. And same with Aemon. Aemon might not have been trying to outright, oh, one-shot murder him, because he could have done that anytime he wanted, but he has malicious intent, and they've established that, hey, your dragon can pick up on that as well and feed off of that. And, you know, that's not unlike people's relationship with the actual pets, except if your pet was a multi-ton flying weapon of mass destruction. So I enjoyed that scene because, like, yes, Eamon was absolutely in the wrong, but it does add a little bit of a dimension of, 
you know, this is like the high stakes version of when you're playing too rough with your sibling and someone gets hurt and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Granted, to look obviously higher stakes, but that was the clearly the look on his face. And I appreciate that because he might he might not be likable, but he does clearly have some level of political savvy and self-awareness that in that moment, he just completely threw out the window out of salt and revenge. So I don't know. It was so it was like, yes, you're right, Wes. But I think there's other elements at play in that scene that made me not frustrated but like oh this is really compelling and interesting because now yeah, what is how I is he gonna explain himself when he goes home to his people how you you know he has no alibi because regardless of whether like yeah his dragon attacked him for other because the other dragon did attack him first and he lost control and all that's true but everybody at storms and saw you harassing that boy in cart trying to start a fight like you've 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 thrown away any plausible deniability you have and I enjoy that because we've seen throughout this series how many moments where you could have almost avoided total war. And it's just like, ooh, you did just <laughs> like, oh, we, we, this, those moments where this could have been avoided. We had Rhaenyra not trying to be bloodthirsty. We had the envoys. Maybe the dragon got away. Like there was a bunch of moments. It's like, oh, nope. But I like it because it makes this conflict that much more tragic because you just know as a viewer, ah, there were moments that could have avoided yeah. all the heartbreak we're about to see in season but two. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and but Aemond, see, this, this, this is isn't me where, defending him. This is just me yeah, saying, yeah. like, no, no, I'm not there's other things him. at play that make the scene that This make feels that scene like work. inconsistent, like, directing, though, in the way that it got played out in that, like, in the past episodes, Aemond has been... <laughs> While not he's not a loose cannon, right? Amon has not been a loose cannon. Every time his eye comes up, he absolutely or his pride comes up, he absolutely becomes a loose cannon. Like I would say, like you know, he was a loose cannon when he went to go steal and claim the people, claim the girl's dragon after the funeral. He was a and loose how cannon he responded to it when mm-hmm. they confronted him about yeah. it. Yeah. And he responded. He was a loose cannon at the dinner with Viserys after he had left when he decides to make a a toast specifically calling out his nephew's things being strong and then being completely ready to throw hands. Like he's actually gone out of his way and antagonized people in a lot of situations. I guess I'm thinking of like his statement that like the eye trade was fair. And it's like, dude, you got the biggest dragon in the land. And when he he went to, and and when he went to get up, get his brother, right. Where his brother was in hiding or had been kidnapped or whatever. He didn't do anything to the brother. He could have like, punched him he could have lost his cool with him and been like you're whatever right but he was Nothing like to do nope. with his eye <clears throat> it's his, when, it, when it has to do with his eye and that that is when he starts to and, act out and he wasn't called out or, about his eye at storm's end there was no provocation there doesn't matter that's the dude who did it that's the provocation the provocation is the dude who if someone slams down my eye up. you ain't and, gotta bring it up if i, I see mean, you it's on site. I, I hear what you're very... saying. I think I think maybe they didn't make. I I don't think they brought that up enough, or they made that clear enough. Like the dude is is way smaller than at him. The, He's clearly dinner, more superior. And it's just like they had the pig, and the boys laughing at him when he brought the pig out because that's a callback to yeah. The but thing. that wasn't like, what was happening here, right? And that yeah, he wasn't being made fun of. of he was being think... treated, and Luke is portrayed in this one as the one who's more afraid. He's yeah. not trying to instigate something here. He's just literally trying to do what his mom asked him to do, and he's a little boy in this in this part. So, even had beef. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then it's just it just feels inconsistent to be like I'm in a rage, and then to be like, 
oh no, like my cousin, like what did I do? You know, it's like, yeah, I think in real life people would feel that way. I think in the show, it just feels very jarring to be like, dude, 10 seconds ago, five seconds ago, you had a giant 20 kiloton, you know, nuclear bomb go off and you're riding it and you knew what like could happen here. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I, I didn't mean for that to happen. It's like, ah, you did though. Like just, just be evil at that point. Like, it's okay. You can own that. Just, just to clarify though, uh, I believe Eamon is the uncle in this dynamic. Yeah. He's his uncle. It's like, oh, uh-oh. There's my, there's my uncle. <laughs> no, that's a, no, a hundred percent. Which one's the uncle? Amen. Amen. I, I do think uncle. it is. I think it is interesting though, that Amen does have a little bit more depth. Like he's not just some vicious killer right off the bat. Uh, he, he definitely has cer- uh, certain principles that he's abiding by. And in a lot of ways, right, if, if you Is he, agree, though? And what are his yeah, principles he, right here he said, in, his, in this last yeah, episode? Like, his kind of like what Savon said about... Eye back. Cut out your eye. You're not going to take, you know... Like, for him, he really is on some, like... That was, like, iPhone 10 eye. years no, ago. No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm not talking about the principle of, like, an eye for an eye. I'm talking about the principle that, like, he this guy is very disciplined. He knows mm-hmm. that he's the, you know, second in line or whatever to his his brother... Um, but he he trained himself to be a, a good fighter and warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believed that you know he you know he went out and got that dragon whatever and did what it took to do that. Um, and as mentioned earlier, he was okay at, actually with losing the eye and getting the dragon as a result of it. Right? Like to me, that you know that says to me that this this person does have some sort of baseline. Um, yeah, and, a rabbit and when and as you said, when he went to go get his brother, it does feel very much like of the two brothers. If you were talking about which high tower should take the crown, it does seem like Aemon, yeah, is more fit right. to be king, a certain type of king, a certain type of king, yeah, you know, a ruthless king, but definitely, uh, you know, somebody more qualified, competent, competent than exactly his older brother. So you know, he does he does have some shades. He's not just a vicious killer. Um, but obviously their two families with those kids have a lot of bad blood. And anytime they're in a room together, it seems like He's they are tilted. bound to egg each other on He's uh, into violence. Even, even before he lost the eye, that was the dynamic, right? You know, everything they did with teasing him with about the pig. Well, know, even his stuff. older brother used to bully him. Even in that, Aegon yeah. was a part of the bullying too. Like he was everybody's target, which is, you know, makes it even more interesting because now it's a family line divide. But at first he was just bullied by the strong children and his own older brother. It's yeah, it's a, you know, he's a very, he's, he's a lot I'll not have you besmirch their reputation, Savan. They're clearly Targaryen and Valerian. Okay, yeah, the Valerian boys. But I, I think regardless, regardless of how successful the that's the case, I'm gonna knock them or... over. <laughs> <laughs> if they're Valerian, then I'm gonna knock them over. That's how I feel. <laughs> Honorary. I mean, I, I see it. I see it. There's, there's definitely some uh, Japanese that, Hawaiian that, going on there. Got that Viserys vision going on. You yeah. see it. You see what the I, hell you want to see. I think you have the Nakamura nose. Maybe the Nakamura ears. Maybe the, the ears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the Nakamura elbow. Mm-hmm. No, but I think Damon is a lot. Damon is a lot more like Damon than we're wanting to admit. We just got Damon a little sooner, but he's definitely more of. A, he's absolutely like Damon. He's definitely more of a chaotic gray character, which is 
I don't know. This is just going to get a full out war and it's going to be so. It's going to be fine. <laughs> All right. So let's let's back out a little bit to the season at large. There's a lot, uh, quite a few compelling characters in this show. Some of them get snuffed out. Some of them live on to see season two. Would you say that you have an MVP or maybe a least valuable LVP for this season? Is there someone that you're rooting for? Is there someone that you're just completely just anti, like, nope, that person got to go? Savon, where are you at on this? Uh, This is like MVP and LVP together because I don't like this character. But <laughs> I like how just like, homie don't give a damn. And I got to give it to Otto Hightower. I don't particularly like Otto, but... Man, that dude just does not give a damn, you know? He had no qualms about the freshly grieving king. All right, cool, I'm going to throw my daughter at him. And it works. And, like, it's a plan that works like a charm, you know, he has to create another son. And he immediately is like, all right, cool. From the, He said it himself. The moment that child was born, he was in his head like, man, F what Viserys got to say, F what Rhaenyra got to say, F what all these people got to say. We putting homeboy on the throne, which again I don't approve of. But man, after Viserys dies and this man without even skipping a beat, just reveals his secret secret plan, and even Allison's like throwing off and tilted. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this man is gangster. When he went to Dragonstone, dog, this is the best line of the finale. That man went to Dragonstone and told Damon and Rhaenyra, your kids get to be squires and cupbearers. I was like, yo, this dude's so out of pocket. My guy, how you going to usurp the throne, run up to these people in ancestral little place, say surrender, and say, hey, your kids get to be cupbearers and hold the the, the personal servant, basically, of the family who usurped them. I'm like, boy, you got some stones on you to just, like, there's not a lot of times where I agree with Damon just, like, flipping out. I was with Damon. I was like, hold on, bro, what? To Aegon? The, The drunken... The drunken, just every bad trait, this man just got them all wrapped up in a bundle. Like, this guy? Aegon? Oh, man. No. But the just but Otto, man, that dude don't give a damn. He's great. Uh, he's It's fun to root against him because he's just such a – he's just so calm and he's such a dick. <laughs> but, <laughs> so you can hold my ball sack if you like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he just does not care. And uh, I, I like when I care. But also, he made good points of like in early when he was like, "Yo, this can lead to a civil war." But it's like, "Yeah, that I'm gonna you. cause." <laughs> <Yes. laughs> this will cause war. I'm like, you can't say it'll cause war if it's part of your plan to do that thing. Like, stop acting like this is a consequence of other people's actions. No, this is a decision you're consciously choosing to make. You could very much not do this thing, and you're like, "Nah, I'm do this thing." So, nah, he's not. He's not about that life. Otto, he's- in terms of just uh, the full spectrum of. But also MVP of characters I like Corliss because uh, he's also just been. I'm glad that he did right by Rainey's his wife because uh, she was right. His ambition cost their family everything, and despite multiple L's that I personally would have struggled to forgive, you know, like oh man, Damon, you killed my brother. These children ain't even my blood. There's a lot of reasons I would he <laughs> be a better man than me. But shout out to him for recognizing his, his son L. got killed, or he thinks his son got killed. Yeah, by them. Yeah. And, you know, lost, like, oh, he, he has very good reason to be like, yo, man, F these very people. Good yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
respect to him for doing right by his wife and recognizing that a Rhaenyra actually can be a good leader and him, you know, recognizing the bigger picture. So shout out to him for that. Shout yeah, out to the sea not, snake. Still not going to end well, I don't think. Oh, no, this, come on. This is. Oh, yeah. On, this, this is right. a Shakespearean <laughs> tragedy. This, this, Definitely this is the winner's here. regret. My my least valuable player of this season is Russell Westbrook, uh, for just oh wait no we're not doing it. if he was riding Vagar he would have missed the he would uh, Luke would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like MVP plummeting to LVP situation <laughs> if it's a Russell Westbrook analogy. Oh man, yeah. Ru- Russell Westbrook has been so bad this year, guys. He he's got to go to a different team. I'm sorry. All right, that's my that's my Lakers thing. So. Least valuable the house player, of the Laker. Luke, Luke Targaryen. The uh, I hate to speak ill of the dead. Spoiler alert to those of you who haven't seen the episode. Uh, Luke is just too soft. I hate to say it. Like what a what a cool kid, great kid. Exists in the wrong family in the wrong time. This bro is too soft. He's the least valuable player. He he didn't accomplish anything. He didn't get anything done. He did he didn't. He contributed nothing, man. Well, he was this, kinda, he was also a little outmatched, though, man. He yeah. he was outmatched for sure. Like, he well, outran a big talking. dragon. He did a decent job. Oh, I'm not even talking about just the last. I mean, he was just oh, you know. I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be king of Driftmark or whatever they called the Lord of Driftmark. He didn't want to do anything. He he just wanted everybody to survive and them to go live in the happy place. And like, man, you on the wrong show for that. Hey, you, he did you, the, the wrong genre, man. He did yeah, do one thing on nice though. <laughs> he did do one thing nice. What he did he do? kids. He defended. Ended his betrothed, his betrothed, and because he slashed out Aemon's eye. You know, he was trying to defend his girl Anna when he was trying to steal their mama dragon at the wake of her funeral. I think that's, you know, I agree with you. I don't Semi-noble. disagree with your assessment, but I want to give him, you know, Semi-noble. I want to give him his props as well as his uh his L's too. I mean, he was oh, so, so that's the plummet then. Yeah. Like that was his high point, and yeah. he just that was like episode down four. He peaked yeah. when he slashed out Amon's eye, and the resulting salt from that led to L's on end. Because even when uh, they got in a fight at the dinner, right? Them two boys got their asses whooped. <laughs> <laughs> they got provoked. Hi, somebody. How you go to town to your cousin's crib for dinner? They call you out. You try to fight them, and then they beat your ass. I mean, yeah. and then, your then your stepdad slash uncle got to come and be like, hey, man. Yeah, they, they got to recognize, like, we out, right? that's not how you play it. They, his they, brother, man, you got to bring your boys. Even the training sessions, boys. right, when they were in yeah. King's Landing, they was no, on he was always right, beat actually. actually. His brother right. beat him up in the last the last yeah. couple episodes. Like, yeah, he, he LVP, man, least valuable player here on the board. Wrong um, show. <laughs> I think MVP, I don't really have an MVP here. I mean, like, I guess I'd go with Amond. He's like prime James Harden. You know, he. I, I hate his game. But you got to recognize he's kind of he's kind of been dominant when he's had the ball in his court. Like he's he's made the plays that he's supposed to make. Like I I don't know. I, yeah, I hate but then to, he JR Smith the finals because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like yo B. You no, but him. I mean Just he takes so like much. in some ways this is like good for his family. He takes another dragon off the board, right? We were counting dragons. He's he takes one off the board. And he's he got the biggest dragon on his team. <laughs> like he's he's right now the Kevin Durant of this family. He's got the biggest dragon, the ballerest dragon. Like he can control like two double teams. I'm sure when they, when they go to the sky, like he's gonna be he's he's already a force to be reckoned with. And he just continues to like put up dubs on on Rhaenyra's family. So I I mean I guess he's the MVP here, even though he kind of sucks. But uh, yeah. I mean, I, and actually as an actor though, I think he's been doing a great job. Like the actor has been 
bringing it, you you kind of facial expressions, except for the, yeah, Nash. except for the last season. But everything else has been great, like the sneer, the way he's using the eye patch, the way he like takes it off to reveal the sapphire, like all the expressions that he's doing. Like he's probably one of the best actors, at least among the like younger cast that we've seen. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I mad respect to the actor. I don't know, you know who he is, but good job there. But yeah, I mean, also he kind of sucks just as a character. So I don't know, Brian, where are you going? MVP, LVP here. So uh, MVPs for this show is pretty hard. I like, there are a lot of unlikable characters. You you don't really know gotta exactly be who to root yeah. for and whatever. So yeah, I, I mean, I gotta bro. skip over to and go just straight LVP. And there's like an LVP team, which is <laughs> you got a, team, a starting five, which is like Qu- Queen Allison and her cadre of toxic men. Like oh man, That's like true. Uh, the point. main LVP in that group is actually Sir Kristen, and you're just like, dude. Get over it, man. Like, what is wrong with yeah. you? And like him accidentally killing the guy. That in, was an accident. In the, the, the council. I mean, like, sitting the dude down. And like, Oof. come on, man. He's just like this sick little attack dog giving too much leash or no, no leash at all. And, you know, and just doing his brand of incel tyranny all over King's Landing. Like, it's it's just gross. And then, and then she's also in consort with oh, that other dude. What a scene! Uh, yeah. With the bum, oh, Laris. Laris. My brain, like Laris, who <laughs> has a bad foot but is into nice feet. Like, oh, like, geez, like I, I don't like any of that. What stuff. is going on in King's Landing? <laughs> so many, so many lows here. Like they're, they're just like going lower and lower. It's like, oh my god, she's taking off the socks. Like, oh my god, his. Hand is in his pants like this dude is some guy on the New York City subway brought to King's Landing. Like <laughs> so unnecessary. And and Allison is just like, well, I'm gonna keep you guys close because uh you do evil stuff for me. Like, oh man, it's 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 all kinds of bad. It's all kinds of bad. And good, good pull, Brian. Yeah, you hate to see it. <laughs> all right how did this season line up for you compared to thinking back you know whatever eight years ago no more than that probably 10 or 20, 12 years ago now at this point to season one of game of thrones for me game of thrones has a clear advantage uh one it was the first sort of show that we had seen of this type uh where it was at all times brutal it was political it was conniving it was uh dark and in some ways hopeful right it had a huge production value even in that first season i'm sure it wasn't the production value it had towards the end but you just you got these great scenes these landscapes these um set pieces that were all there in season one um the I mean, episode one, I think, or episode two, Jamie Lannister yeets a child off of like a building and you're like, oh, my God, like what just like audiences hadn't seen that before. I had never seen something like that before in a normal show. I mean, it, maybe in like a psychopath show, but this was not that this was just a normal show. And one of the things they did was throw a child off a building um, without remorse. And just be like, yeah, I did that. That was kind of, you know, hey, but like that's the, you know, the name of the game here. The mystery of the White Walkers was something that layered into that um, that first season and, and you know, was a thread throughout the show. The dialogue in this show sometimes felt distracting. Their use of grandsire 
a lot was just like, ah, like, are they trying to be medieval? They used like mine own father a lot. They used like in the last episode, Rhaenyra says like, not but by my command, you know, and it, it just sort of felt like every now and then they would throw in these phrases of Shakespearean, like medieval times, but it wasn't in all of the show. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there was just what sort is of this, this criticism? Like, the medieval took, show they using medieval language? They definitely no, talk like that in the other stuff too, Wes. It, it didn't feel so distracting in, in Game of Thrones, I thought. I mean, it didn't even, feel, and it didn't feel consistent, right? In some of the ways, like, and like, they used right to that. No, <laughs> I, to Lords, me, it, to me, it bending wasn't the just, knee, like all of it. I mean, that, come on. that felt fine. They literally that, for age. They say ten and whatever. They have that weird age convention. Like they've been had all that weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that part was fine. I think there was just some things that just like you just hate the feel. honorifics. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It just didn't feel like they fit in with like the way they were doing it, and like they would scream like "fuck." Right, which is like clearly not of that world, but like in this world now. I don't know. Zero people, zero like. Sorry, zero likable people who take center stage in the season one. I'm a guy who likes to have at least one or two likable people in a show. That didn't happen here. Nobody's really that likable in this show. So it's just a bunch of a holes running around here in this one. Which like maybe that's kind of what we're in in terms of this era of television. It's like the Breaking Bad sort of set that norm, you know, in the interim, but. Uh, so for me, Game of Thrones was a thousand percent takes the takes the cake here. I don't think it's a thousand percent better. Just it, I, if I was choosing one or the other, Game of Thrones to me felt newer, deeper, more interesting, uh, and and certainly seemed like it was more well put together. But uh, what did you guys think on that one, Savan? You're clearly puzzled by my 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 reaction to it. Yeah, that first part, I just hope other the viewers at home, listeners at home are also making the same faces like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> but yeah. it's fine. Grandsire. Uh, Show me West one instance where they again. used Grandsire in Game of Thrones. West, well, I, mean, I can tell you now, as I read book one, book one is almost like a complete, they transcribe entire stuff. They transcribe, I'm not doing that with you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Your Grandsire wants you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeding the troll. Not feeding yeah. the troll. Anyways, I actually, I had to go back and look at what happens in season one of Game of Thrones because it's easy to kind of have it all blend together. Mm -hmm, I don't want to unfairly attribute things that haven't happened yet. As both as season one setups, I actually might like House of the Dragon more. One, House of the Dragon, I said this in the beginning, is because it's such a tighter, smaller story, there's not as many, for me, characters and plot lines that I just don't care about. And as much as I love Game of Thrones, there were multiple plot lines and stories where I'm just like, oh, if I don't care about this, it doesn't connect to any other stuff. And it, it, it just feels like, oh, this is just wasted time. Like there were times where I didn't really care about Daenerys' story. And in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because it doesn't really amount to anything in the bigger picture of stuff. But that was something that kind of took away from season one for me. But otherwise, I had to look at what happens in season one. There isn't actually any war that happens in season one either. It's entirely just like there's some fights, but it's mostly set up. Mm -hmm. And so both seasons end with Westeros on the precipice of war. So I kind of looked at it like, okay, so how did we get to that point? And I actually think I enjoyed the 20 year story setup of this war happening than some of the stuff that happened in Game of Thrones season one, because some of those things didn't actually matter in the war that was happening, right? Like Game of Thrones is about the war of the five kings happening in Westeros, but all the White Walker, Beyond the Wall, and Daenerys stuff pretty much has nothing to do with that. And so in hindsight, you realize, oh, a lot of this actually 
doesn't really have to do with some of the main story. And I'm appreciating House of the Dragon more because even characters that I don't like, they all tie into the main conflict. So everything feels super relevant at all times. Even as a Game of Thrones lover, there were a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I don't care about this story. It doesn't tie what I'm interested in. I check out. Like how many people didn't know anything about really Stannis Baratheon because there's so much going on that it's easy to just check out when you're at the angry, non-charismatic guy in the Dark Castle, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think House of the Dragon suffered from that same that issue. That stuff comes back in later seasons. Yeah, so, so I'm, okay no, but I'm comparing that. season one to one. That's why I'm comparing them just by the first season. Like some yeah, of the things we're talking knew, about with House of the Dragon. You knew those things were important. The White Walkers were clearly important. The, like Daenerys' story was clearly important. Yeah. And she wasn't in Westeros yet, but like she still had some crazy things happening in her life. Right. Her brother was clearly like a yeah, psychopath. And that's down, yeah. And I'm saying that's down the line. But that's why I'm just looking at it in just from what we've gotten in season yeah. one. No, and I just looking at the season, each of those season one of those shows. And also, I say this knowing that I know what some of the outcomes are going to be for both. But in either case, I still appreciate it with House of the Dragon did more. Like, I think the 20 year yeah. setup conflict was, that was ultimately cool. a better setup to a war than. Game of Thrones season one, which the war that happens, a lot of stuff happens that still doesn't actually tie to that. For this, everything has to do with this war that's about to pop off. There's not a yeah. scene in this first season that doesn't ultimately tie into this war. And Different I thought approach. that worked better. It felt more targeted and concise. It's not a knock on Thrones because they also, keep in mind, House of the Dragon got to learn from everything that Thrones did wrong. So there is an element of like, who they got to build off of something rather than Thrones, which had to do something completely new television-wise. So it's not a knock on Thrones, but House of the Dragon learned from what Thrones did wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a blessing and a curse for House of the Dragon, right? Like, mm-hmm. it can sort of, like, correct things. As you said, the story gets a lot tighter in this. But they also have to deal with what Wes is talking about in that they're living in the shadow of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which was already incredible. And so to, you know, try to do things differently and not have not have the luxury of things being novel, you know, it, it, it is a challenge for the show. And I feel like I felt it during season one. It's like, well, yeah, this this is great and stuff, but, you know, I I feel like, you know, the, the original was still, you know, delivered a little bit more and um, and you're, you're left wanting. It, like, this kind of goes back to my whole criticism of, of the dragon fight, you know? It's like, you... you come to house of the dragons with a lot more expectations. And I think that can actually hurt Mm. the show a little bit. Um, But I, you know, overall, I think it, you know, it's a solid show for sure, but uh, because they're trying to make it tighter and because it is so focused around the family succession, particularly in the season one, right? I think seasons Two through four are going to be very different for House of the Dragon, right? As they plunge so all, all Westeros into a war, right? So we're gonna we're gonna get a lot. We're gonna get a much richer, more dynamic story. But I think in season one, the fact that it is so focused on the line of succession and the internal family dynamics and drama that for me, I honest that honestly made me check out a little bit. Um, whereas you know, Game of Thrones season one, you got tons of stuff on the board. You know that all those things are going to come to a head. You hear about so many different parties who are vying for the Iron Throne. And just the title Game of Thrones comes into full relief in that regard because you're like, yes, this is a 
full on political game that is happening mm -hmm. and you're watching that unfold regardless of whether you're in king's landing you're you're at the wall or you're far off Winterfell. on the other side of the narrow sea oh, yeah, yeah. daenerys like you know that she's gonna come try to claim that throne and so everybody is is making a, a power grab well in season one you think it's viserys actually that's gonna try and grab the throne right for a, a mm -hmm. long time he's the yeah one yeah that wants to I, the play. We, you didn't even mention wes in season one right like you you get Ned Stark's death. You get a kid getting pushed off of a tower. He also there's an, another assassination attempt in season one on him, and you also get Daenerys uh, and her whole storyline with Cal Drogo and Cal Drogo giving uh, Viserys his golden crown that he yeah. so wants. Right, <laughs> like like that that in and of itself is nuts. And I do think at the end of season one, you also get baby dragons. Yeah, um, very, very, and, yeah. and Daenerys, you know, being able to mm -hmm. do a fire and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So there's there's just so many jaw dropping moments For in sure. season one of Game of Thrones, and they have the benefit of novelty. Right, mm -hmm. we had yeah. never seen okay, this so, stuff before. Yeah. So all those moments just hit so much deeper for me that. You know, un un you know, unfortunately, it was also the I, show I it cast it talked about shadow. it. Everybody was watching this show. Yeah, there was no you know, one missing this show. Mm -hmm. You know what the thing with Thrones is going to be? And I think this House of Dragons is going to hit a similar stride because some of this, I think Thrones season one looks better in hindsight, which is good. This isn't a, like this isn't a knock. I think Thrones actually really hit its stride come seasons two and three. Because that's when you have, oh, yeah. you know, the Black Water, the Battle of the Black Water. You have the Red Wedding. You have Joffrey's Wedding. I think those are actually some of the most iconic Thrones moments. But that you had to get that season one set up to get the pieces in place. All that to say, I really think that season two of House of the Dragon is going to be great because the, the, the writers really say, hey, yo, the first season is just going to be 20 years of buildup. And so they know that some people don't want to see just the boring political, not war stuff. But now, you know, same with Thrones, like the best book was the second book. Cause it's just an all out war, the entire book. And that, you know, again, that's on the peak game of Thrones. I think house of the dragon is going to hit a very similar stride where now a lot of the big payoffs and set piece, some of which we're expecting, some maybe we weren't expecting are going to happen, but you just had to get the board set up first. So, so either way, I think both shows do good jobs of using their opening season to just make you care about people and get the pieces in play. Granted, they do it in different ways and the size of the board might be different. But either way, once the ball gets rolling, I think we're going to be in for some top tier television season two. So roll that into your your reaction or your take on season one. How does that what what are you like expecting or hoping for then from the rest of the, the series? It sounds like you think this is like the first of like a really high stepping stone and now they're just going to catapult into a you know a great season two is that mm -hmm. sort of where you see this going and yeah, you've, you, you've read the, the book is that what i'm yeah i've read the book too? i haven't reread it long enough to where i remember everything and i made a choice yeah. to not reread it because i want to like they've made some small differences i've heard yeah that's some, like that one difference is you know in the books because you know again the books are like a fictional history book so it's like what the historians at the time thought okay. happened how they talk about the Aemon Lucerus thing is a little different. Like it's treated like, oh, you know, no one was there as an eyewitness. So you don't know that actually Lucerus is dragging blue fire because it was freaked out at his. And then it was kind of like a, there's more gray to it. In the books, it's just straight up, oh, he just went out and murdered him, but no one saw what happened. So you don't get that behind the scenes of, oh, this is what happened. Or in the books, Lenor is dead. There is no 
oh, he faked his death because, you know, the historical records would suggest otherwise. So some I don't remember. I remember some key things, but like a lot of stuff I've forgotten. Either way, if you for any show or movie or production, if you're going to have a big, large scale war, you have to care about the characters. And so I think the writers knew, hey, yo, we're going to have this big war with all these dragons and people. You got to give a damn about who's riding the dragons and who's beefing. Otherwise, it's just empty deaths. And, you know, people might have different feelings on how much they care about different characters. But I think they've done a good job of painting pictures for all the movers and actors in this war that we're about to have. And so when people do start inevitably dying and dropping and however it happens, I think we as an audience are going to be like, oh, damn, that was tragic. Partially because, you know, they used the whole season to make us care about them. Some of these characters, we watched them be born and grow up and become young adults. And, you know, I think that uh, that gives you a certain level of investment. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the setup for seasons two through four, at least from what I've read, there's going to be four seasons. Uh, OK. You know, we're we're going to get. We're gonna get a great war, right? Obviously, we got a lot of dragons, a lot of special effects. There's gonna be more Harry Potter riding. Oh I'm hopeful God. that a Dementor shows up at some point. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think that's you know that's ripe for just you know delightful Expecto action Patrona. and spectacle, right? Yeah. Uh, but what I'm hoping is that they actually don't quite deliver that the way that it seems like they're going to, and that they. You know that they they do keep things a little bit more grounded in some ways, right? Like we we do want to see the conflict between Rhaenyra and Alicent in some shape or form, right? Not not just their proxies all the time. Uh, you know, we like we we want these to to Savan's point, right? Like we care about these characters. We've been with them now their entire lives, right? We want to see them in the same room with each other, uh, and. One thing that I I hope that the show remembers is that the you know the bread and butter of the Game of Thrones franchise is really the war of words, right? It's it's when the tongues have daggers, and I think that's where the show and the you know the franchise is at its best. Agreed. Uh, another thing that I'm concerned with though is that how uh, season one of House of the Dragon was mostly spearheaded by. Uh, the director Miguel Sapochnik, who's famous for doing a lot of the big battle episodes of Game of Thrones. You know, I think he did the big White Walker mm-hmm. uh, battle episode. I think he did the Battle of the Bastards episode. Right? Mm-hmm. He did most of season one of House of the Dragon, but he has already declared that he's stepping aside from the franchise because he is wiped out. Burned um, out. So, you know, the, you know, there's a question about like who's going to, or I, I do believe they have a new showrunner already tagged on. Um, and whether or not that person is able to hold the torch uh, is, you know, is another lingering question. You know, how is the, how is the series going to change as a result? Um, will it be able to maintain its high watermark throughout? We'll see. Sounds good. So season one, House of the Dragon. It's a wrap. One of the most compelling television shows i think of this year by far it's certainly <clears throat> see white uh, lotus is coming out the white lotus <laughs> might dethrone it maybe but the the reach of this show is massive i mean it's not as big as game people of watching Thrones. it people watching it though bro. yeah but there's a ton of people watching this show um so kudos to them for putting on a show that held people's attention for for all 10 episodes and didn't 
despite not be having the newness, despite not having the like holy cow surprise factor that Game of Thrones came in with, they still managed to keep people watching the show and i certainly every week wanted to tune into it this is probably the the one show this summer or this late summer that i i would not like i would be looking forward to and it's the one i made the choice to watch first of all the shows that we've been trying to keep up with so i think good on them for for producing a pretty compelling interesting show yes mm-hmm. yeah super quick thing uh this is just me on my soapbox before we end the episode this is why it's dope to have weekly releases for shows. Yeah. You got to build hype, anticipation, water cooler talk. You know Shout out to the homies Daphne and Willow because we just had a whole group of homies of mine. We just had a group chat where every Sunday night we're like, hey, y'all, we hopping on? Yeah, we all talking. <laughs> you know, we all live chatting, texting in our group chat about live Sending the eye emojis. Oh, Damon. <laughs> sending eye emo, sending face reactions of like, oh, and, oh, you, you know, when he pulled up in Vegas at the place, we sending reactions of our face like, <laughs> oh, shit, it's going down. And that kept us entertained for like two and a half, three months. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, season two, I'm going to need some watch parties. Yeah, like this Please is a watch. Me. Yeah, this is a watch party type show. So I'm like, look, there's some. it's nice to binge stuff. But like, y'all, this is imagine if we had this for Squid Game where every week you just hyped up waiting instead of all at once. Oh, so my like, God. People lose their minds. Yeah. So, come on. yeah, man, I just love the, the this was just a quality viewing, you know, appointment viewing show. I love it was. those. It was good. It was. I can't wait for more in two years. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're gonna do our own time jump <laughs> uh, kai gonna be a guest on the show by the time season two come out <laughs> she's like i didn't really like season one. <laughs> oh, she's gonna be oh god mini west too many but mine owns <laughs> all right y'all hit us up on at confidently underscore pod on instagram savant's been running the the account putting up some great questions we've been getting some cool responses uh, we'd love to hear more from you about it and also tell your friends this has been a great show this has been a fun time friends we're out of here have a good one bye